Hello and welcome to the Big League Show. As always, I'm Rudolph the Red Nose Reindeer, and I'm joined by the mustached wonder, Aiden Silifant. Aiden, how are you doing today, my man? Doing good. You could say I'm Austin Matthews. I got the leaf shirt on, the stash, so replicating what nice. Matthews is doing, but not, not so much on the ice. Haven't really gotten that shot down pat yet, but in the yeah, future. Not, not quite at that level. Yeah. But more importantly than you being Austin Matthews, which will never happen, we are joined by a London Knights extraordinaire, I guess. Uh, he's one of their biggest writers for their website. He's also in sport media. Kyle Watson. Kyle, how are you doing today, my man? I'm wonderful. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you for coming. Thank you for coming. Let's just sort of jump into this and get going because Aiden doesn't have much space on his computer and we need to get these recordings banged out. Um, <laughs> why don't we start off with sort of how you fell in love with sport media and sort of sports in general. Where did that, when did that sort of happen for you? Well, for sports, um, it was kind of uh, a natural attraction to me. I'm sure a lot of people have this experience where like my dad played hockey. Uh, my brother was playing hockey. He's a couple of years older than me. So just through them, uh, I started playing hockey um, then playing soccer as well in the summers. Um, and it, it just became, you know, an instant thing for me. And, and in regards to sport media, um, it was kind of a situation uh, in grade 12 where I didn't know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. Uh, and then looking through all the programs, when I figured out that sport media was a university program that I could take, um, you know, from there, I, I didn't really look back because it was just incredible to me that this is something that I could pursue as a career. And, um, you know, I've only grown more and more uh, into it in these past two years in the program. What stood out specifically to you, um, I guess, during the application process or looking at different universities to go to, what stood out to you in specific about sport media? Um, well, like I said, uh, just the fact that covering sports specifically was a career. I mean, uh, I was also interested in general journalism. Uh, I applied to U of T and Ryerson for that, but, uh, and I got accepted to all three, but it, it was an easy choice for me. Um, I guess just because, you know, you hear the expression, if you love what you do, you won't work a single day in your whole life. And I think, you know, that sums up sport media perfectly. Um, you know, uh, I've spoken to a lot of people that, that do it for a living and, and just the idea of getting to travel around the world, watching sports and sharing your opinion professionally, um, you know, that would be a dream, dream to me. And I'm sure a lot of people in the program feel the same way. Yeah, as a fellow Ryerson journalism and U of T journalism acceptee, uh, I find that very funny that you go to the, you got accepted to the same programs. Um, when did you sort of decide that Ryerson was going to be, or I guess sport media was going to be your career over something like journalism? Um, well, I'll be honest, uh, you know, the journalism programs at Ryerson and U of T were more of kind of backups. Like uh, if I didn't get into sport media, um, I do enjoy the process of journalism and writing and storytelling. Um, but, you know, nothing else interests me more than sports, you know, whether it be politics or local interest stories. So, you know, it, it was a pretty easy uh, decision once I got accepted into all three. Tell us a little bit about how the application was like and, the um, the essays that you had to write. Um, we're always interested to see what question you had to write for the um, the in person exam. 
at, on the day of the interview as well. Um, so yeah, tell us a little bit about that and uh, maybe also who interviewed you. Uh, I don't remember specifically what question it was. I think it was something about um, a sports movie and what it meant to you. Has, have you guys, did you okay. guys get that one? No. Um, uh, I, I, so I knew somebody in, in the year above us um, from London. So I, I kind of had a bit of help. I read, I read her questions and her answers. Um, it, it wasn't a particularly difficult um, process, but you really do like wonder what they're looking for in the answers. So, um, you know, you know, I had my parents review it and, um, you know, some other mentors in my life review it to make sure, you know, I was putting forward uh, the best answers possible because you really want to separate yourself you know, there's so little spots in the program and so many people applying. Um, and it's kind of so much more than just your grades. So you kind of really want to distinguish yourself. Um, actually, a funny story at the, um, at the interview, uh, I remember everybody showed up and, you know, a couple guys had golf shirts on. You know, one guy was in sweatpants. And uh, I had spoken to a person at the university fair who said, just show up in a suit. Like, you'll blow them away. So there I was full suit and tie and I'm sitting next to kids wearing sweatpants. So no one said anything, not in the interview or anyone, in, but I did feel overdressed. Um, hey, I and, wore a uh, suit. I wore a suit. That's yeah, what they told okay. me to do as well. Yeah. So did I. And I guess yeah, here I we are. That's, how, that's why we got in. <laughs> so yeah, right? Yeah. I don't think sweatpants got Wear a suit and guaranteed know. to get in. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I had uh, hmm. Dr. Forrester as my uh, interviewee oh, okay. and, and it, it was interesting. Um, you know, like previous guests you've had on said, it, it kind of was very conversational. I didn't feel like I was getting grilled at all. It was just, you know, why do you think you'd be a good fit? And uh, you know, where do you see yourself in the future? And, you know, I walked away feeling, um, feeling really good about it just because, you know, she was very good at, at putting me at ease and uh, you know, lucky enough in a couple of months, I got the email and uh, it's been great ever since. <laughs> what has impressed you so far about the program? Is it something you do with, with Rams Live or Spirit Live or even just the classes? Um, what, what have you enjoyed most about the program so far? Oh, well, you know, I'll certainly give it a rave review. I've, I've really enjoyed uh, my time in the program. Um, I think Daniel, last, last, the last guest you had on, talked about combination of theory and hands-on experience um, and I also think the access we have like our professors and, uh, and our teachers and our instructors are all members of the industry so just you know being able to have access just to chat with them after class is just you know that, that's worth the, the tuition you know right there um, and also yeah the access we have to professional level studios um, and the hands-on experience you know it's it's very very close to to what you're going to be using um, in a professional setting. Like what what we what we do with Rams Live is is like pretty much the best coverage I think of of university sports and and all of the OUA. So, um, yeah, it, it's blown me away. Um, and I also think the, um, the the supplementary courses we have, like other than just live sports production and sport journalism. Um, like some of the, the theory courses and, and the culture courses have, have been interesting to me and, and made me think about uh, a lot of stuff in sports I'd never considered before. Um, so yeah, you know, there's been lots. Um, it's kind of a weird feeling for me to look forward to going to school in the summer. You know, I'm kind of, I'm kind of missing it a little bit. 
Hmm. Wow. Yeah, we'll see how much school we go back to in yeah. the fall uh, because there's still a ton of confusion around that. But hopefully we get answers pretty soon, especially on TV production. Um, what would you say, mentioning TV production, has been your favorite course throughout Ryerson so far? It doesn't necessarily have to be a sport media course. It could be an elective. It could be really anything. What would you say sort of really stuck out to you uh, over the last two years? Um, well, starting off, uh, non-sport media, um, you know, we have like two electives every semester pretty much or at least one and uh i took an intro introduction to psychology course which i found interesting and i've actually uh, been pursuing that as a minor ever since um but in in the sport media classes i i really like sport journalism um with dan berlin um you know writing is what i do the most and um i found it's really helped me uh like refine my skills and make my articles just a bit more professional with with proper formatting and proper writing structure uh, and I also really enjoyed the uh, the kind of newsroom scenarios we did where uh, we would have an hour to to cover a story. Like, it, it, you know, I, I, I take my time when I write my story. So it was certainly a challenge to kind of to have to just get it out and not worry about, you know, perfectly wording everything. But just, you know, getting out a good article in a, in a given time limit was um, a really interesting experience for me. Yeah, that was a very hectic class. I remember in in our class at least dan like changed the uh the topic halfway through because i think there was some breaking news i think was it the calgary flames coach that got fired maybe yeah yeah, yeah I think that, that was, was it, it. yeah yes. so, something happened yeah like it that. was yeah that was... yeah so i mean that environment was was great it was basically just like a newsroom kind of environment so i really liked how he did that um you mentioned you're writing a little bit, and we kind of touched on the London Night stuff at the top a little, but can you give us a little bit more background on, um, I guess, how you got involved with the Knights and what you've been doing with them? Yeah, so um, my dad will be happy to hear me talk about this. He always pushes that, um, you know, it's not who you know, it's who knows you, and, and, and making uh, good connections with everyone you meet and making your interactions with them memorable. So I actually... Um, I started working for the London Knights when I was like 16, just in their gift shop. Um, I had been a season ticket holder my whole life and I just thought it would be super cool to work for the team. So I was just selling jerseys and, and game day programs and stuff. But I, I met the guy that um, the PR manager who ran the website and uh, come by the time I was looking for a university program, I, I, when I found Sport Media, I thought this would be the perfect avenue to, to test the waters and see if this was for me. So I just asked him if there's any help uh, he needed, you know, with the website. Um, and it turns out he needed lots of help. And uh, now here I am three years later. And yeah, you know, uh, he still does all the press releases and stuff, but any sort of creative uh, stuff he needs done uh, and the website, as well as they release a, a magazine to season ticket holders. Uh, I'm all in there. Um, it was pretty funny um, when I still worked at the gift shop, but I also wrote in the magazines, um, the people that would come, I was the one that sold the magazine. So I had all these old folks that would come up to me and they would ask me for my autograph because they knew I was in the magazine. <laughs> uh, like, yeah, it was super nice. And they would like come uh, park their walkers behind my kiosk and stuff. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That's actually really funny. That's huh. base primarily. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it's a little bit broader than that. But uh, yeah, you mentioned obviously yeah. the Lynette's thing. 
What have you sort of learned from <laughs> that experience? Uh, well, pretty much um, everything I've learned about writing prior to the to university w was, was, was with that, because that was the only like uh, sports writing I was doing at the time. So um, I guess I certainly learned um, how to write uh, for a PR, from a PR standpoint, like I, I'm not able to um, really insert my opinion too much um, because it's it's being released on the club's behalf. So uh, like just stuff, I remember I did an article where I talked about um, the Saginaw spirit, you know, they uh, they didn't have any goal scorers with over 50 points. And I, I thought that was nothing that someone could Google search, but they wanted that cut out just because they didn't want anything they didn't want to talk down on any team or or uh talk too highly of themselves or or most recently uh right when ryan merkley got traded to the team this year i thought he would be a really interesting subject to cover um you know given how highly touted he was going into his nhl draft year and he kind of slipped down the board and i i wanted to talk about him um improving on what he had been uh criticized for throughout his career which was like you know not really back checking or or having a short temper but um and, and I was talking how his time with the Knights and being coached by Dale Hunter has really helped him. And he, you know, he's looked like a totally different player, but, but same thing. They just didn't want to bring up, uh, you know, anything controversial. So, um, you know, I'm sure eventually when, when I, if I become a writer, there will be some things that uh, whoever I'm writing for doesn't want me to mention. So, you know, I've kind of learned that uh, early on in my career that, you know, until you are one of the most read people in the world, you can't say whatever you want. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of guidelines you got to follow, especially if you're working for a big name team like the London Knights in junior hockey. So um, you talked a little bit about if you want to maybe potentially pursue writing in the future. Is that something that you want to get into or do you still kind of want to keep your options open or is that is that your goal writing in the end? Well, uh, I certainly really enjoy it and it's what I've done the most of by far, but um I've tried to, in my time at Ryerson, work on my on-air skills, like uh, on the radio as well as TV, just because, um, you know, the, the live TV sports broadcast is something that's never going away. Uh, whereas, you, you know, I kind of thought writing was going away, but, you know, with, with the website like The Athletic, um, get the amount of writer, readers they get, you know, maybe it's here to stay. But uh, I, I would say I'm still kind of keeping my options open as, as well as trying to keep a, a well-rounded skill set. Like I don't want to be just able to write. And then if people want me to come on for interviews like these, I don't know how to present myself. Um, but, but yeah, I would say right now I'd, I'd probably like to be a writer. Sick. Have you done sort of anything outside of the London Knights and Ryerson stuff in terms of writing or sport media stuff? Um, briefly uh, in that same year, the, my, my year in between high school and sport media, uh, a gentleman that uh, worked for the Land Knights as their uh, their YouTube host, he had a website called The Puck Show. So I wrote like half a dozen articles in there, but it was the same thing, kind of writing to mom and dad and family and friends, like didn't get a lot of readers and they shut down. Um, and as well, this, this past summer from April to June, uh, I was on Rogers TV here in London on a, on a show called The Home Team. Uh, where we just kind of covered local sports. So I, I did four interviews for them. Um, I think I and, saw and some I, of those on your Instagram. Yeah, I, I, it, it was fun. Uh, it was a little more um, 
difficult to interview for TV than it is just to interview for an article that you're going to write because you, you kind of get one shot there. You can't mess up when you're, you know, you don't want to waste the athlete's time doing four or five takes. So, yeah, I, I, I've done more than just the London Knights. Uh, I'm trying to, you know, yeah, like I said, diversify my skill set and not just be able to write about one team and, and only be able to write about uh, sports as opposed to speak and, and be on air. So. Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest things that we learn going into Ryerson. You do need to diversify with the way that this industry is going. You know, we're not all going to be just solely on air. When you go on air, you also know have to know how to edit, how to write, have to do a ton of other things. And it sounds like you've been doing that with your diversification. Yes, that's a word. Diversification so. of everything that you've been doing, uh, whether it be in Ryerson or outside of Ryerson, and. It's good to hear that this is a continuing trend among most of the people that we've interviewed so far. Um, you mentioned before the show that you just started, potentially started writing for another website um, about prospects. And I wanted to sort of get your thoughts on where you think scouting and where you think writing is going in general. Because obviously with the pandemic, People are watching and reading a bit, a lot more written content because there's nothing to do. Um, so how do you see this pandemic sort of helping you and essentially the industry and everything sort of in general? Well, um, you, know, you know, pretty much the primary uh, people that cover prospects are, are all blogs and, and written coverage. Um, Dauber Prospects, Future Considerations, HockeyProspect.com and the only people that are really producing videos about prospects is like your TSNs and your Sportsnet, and they really only do like three or four draft guides a year. And then you'll have uh, their draft experts like Craig Butner, Sam Cosentino come on every once in a while, um, you know, on SportsCenter or whatever before the World Juniors. So um, I would say currently, as it is, it's it's mostly um, uh, a written word uh, area of sports, which is you know not 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 common, but, um, uh, I know the guys at Dubber prospects just started a podcast. Um, so I, I, I'd imagine considering how big podcast is and, uh, you know, more and more people are watching instead of reading. Um, I think that you will start to see some, some video coverage, but, um, I think it's going to take students like us kind of entering that realm with, uh, the ability to, to produce video, um, and edit video and make stuff for social media. Um, before the, the video stuff starts to blow up um, in the scouting world um, because most of these people are, are scouts by trade not writers so you know they're 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 able to their knowledge is incredible but uh, you know they're not uh, you know they're not able to make you know studio level uh, podcasts and uh, and and shows and videos and stuff um, so I don't know maybe yeah like I said maybe that's something uh, guys like us can bring in. That's something I'm I'm trying to bring in um, to to my new job. So, yeah. Huh. That's really interesting. I didn't realize that there wasn't really any video coverage for prospects. I guess that's sort of an open avenue that you could potentially chase, uh, and maybe we should talk about afterwards. Uh, well, there's um, <laughs> there's videos like you can find endless highlights, right, of Alexi Lafreniere, Quinn yeah. Byfield, right? But there's nothing. Yeah. There's no one taking their their blogs and 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 talking about it and like kind of making a show of it or a, a podcast of it really mm -hmm. like it's yeah it's primarily just blogs i guess um, it's hard to do especially because like 
the demographic for people who watch uh, junior hockey is kind of very specific. Like if you're not in Canada, you know, people might not relate to it as much in terms of like the OHL, WHLQ, MJHL. So it might be hard to like bring that content to the US and get people to watch it. But um, yeah, it is interesting. Um, yeah, it would be a really cool idea if, if even you, Kyle, started something like that, breaking down prospects uh, in junior hockey, because you'd be really good at that if you ever wanted to do a podcast or a visual component. Um, I think we're wrapping up kind of this interview a little bit here. So I wanted to ask you what advice you would have for someone entering the sport media program. Um, well, the first thing, as we've talked about a lot, um, is to, you know, everyone kind of comes in with what they want to do. Everyone wants to be on air or be a writer, or, uh, I don't know, some people might want to be a producer, but I think it's important to, to, to get a, uh, dip your feet in the water in, in all areas of the industry, uh, not only just, just to see if there's something else that you might like, but also just to have an understanding of the role of the people that you might be working with. Like, um, you know, you might not want to grow up and, and be a, a font coordinator, but it's important if you're in the same room as them to know their role and not just know their role a little bit, but like have experience with it. Um, and also I would say uh, it's important to, um, to learn how to work well in a, in a group, that's something I struggled with. I'm kind of like uh, an independent worker. I, w I always was in school, but so it was tough for me to learn to to listen to everybody's ideas and kind of agree on one thing and uh, and see out a project that way. Because you know, when you have a deadline for something to be due, uh, you can't waste time, uh, you know, bickering over whose idea is best. You kind of just have to take one and run with it. So that's uh, yeah. that's what I've had to learn the most, anyway. Yeah, and like I've worked with you first year in on some projects, and I really have seen that sort of development in you. You know, and uh, first year wasn't necessarily the most reliable person at times, but overall, like you've really improved in that atmosphere and atmosphere, I guess atmosphere, environment, atmosphere, environment, environment yeah, yeah, environment. That's what I was looking for. Uh, environment, and it's shown that personal growth is really important, and Thank you've you. grown a lot. Um, which has been good to see, uh, especially as a fellow soccer lover, which I think we'll dive into a little bit later. But yeah, unless there's anything else we want to add, maybe we just sort of wrap up the interview portion here and then we can get into the rest of the sports and a couple prospect questions that I have for you. Yeah, that's all yeah, the words right. I guess we'll... Yeah, that's good. All right. All right. So we'll be right back in half a second. And half a second later, we're back. Um, we're going to do the rest of sports very, very quickly and sort of save hockey and soccer for our next call because Kyle has some opinions that he wants to get out and he knows both of those sports very well. So we'll hit stuff very quickly. Uh, NBA, Westbrook has COVID. Good. F that sucks for him, but at least he's going to be healthy potentially for the tournament. I think he's still in Houston. Uh, thoughts going out to him. Um, we're not going to reference anybody else who has COVID because – we just don't really want to do that. And we're also not going to reference anybody who's opted out because it's personal opinion. We all agree with them opting out. We agree with their position and their choice not to go. Um, so if we started listing names of people who just decided not to go, we'd get way too in depth uh, and it would be another very long podcast. Um, but other NBA news, um, Minnesota Timberwolves are for sale, question mark. 
Uh, it sounds more and more like they might be up for sale. Kevin Garnett and an ownership group are apparently in the conversation of potentially picking up the Timberwolves. Uh, another family that's interested is the Wilf family, who own the Minnesota Vikings, and they're a serious candidate apparently. So we'll see what comes of that. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see whether or not the Timberwolves do get sold and who they get sold to because the last time a player consortium bought a team, it didn't exactly go well. Uh, ask Derek Jeter about that one. But who cares? Uh, if they can buy and make the Timberwolves successful, that's great because they have a great team. Um, quickly, Matthias Thibel. I think it's Thibel. Um, I might be saying that name incorrectly, and I apologize. Uh, T-H-Y-B-U-L-L-E, I believe. Uh, he has a YouTube channel. Started it just before he went to the bubble, and he is now putting up YouTube videos in the bubble of just vlogging his day-to-day life and what life is like in the bubble, and he's a very good editor. Um, I've actually really enjoyed them so far. Uh, I'd recommend going and checking out his YouTube channel. He's got, like, I think over 200K subs now. And he started it like two weeks ago. Uh, wow. So that's some pretty good growth. Um, I think there are some other teams and players who are doing similar things, but Thibel is the one that I've enjoyed the most and I've watched the most of. So I'd say go check his stuff out if you want to see what life is like in a bubble and what life is like for the NBA players because it's quite funny. Um, do you guys have anything to add to the NBA news stuff? Not, not so much. Um... Yeah, not much. I'll have to check out that YouTube channel. All right. Let's hit MLB because there was some news that broke last night, which is sort of, yes, no announced, kind of. We still need to hear from the Pennsylvania government. Um, And that is, where will the Jays play? Uh, Obviously, the Canadian government said that they're not allowed to play regular season games in Canada uh, due to the travel that's going to have to go on. So they had to choose between a number of locations, and they wanted to play in MLB Park. So, uh oh, um, <laughs> oh, okay, he's back. Oh, I just you cut out for like a second, yeah. Okay, well, I'll assume you caught everything, including the Dunedin and Buffalo stuff, because they are backup options for the Jays to resume games. They really wanted to play in a MLB park, and apparently, they found a park to play in and the PNC park i guess yeah that is pnc park Park, yeah um, which is the home of the pittsburgh pirates so we'll see how that goes the pennsylvania government apparently still has to okay it which we'll see if that happens i don't really see it not happening um last night as i mentioned hazel may broke that apparently they'd come to an agreement with the pirates but we're still waiting to see everything else that still has to happen it still has to be agreed upon um it was 48 hours i believe the window to decide where they're going to play and that was yesterday so hopefully in the next day or so we know just where the jays are going to play Aiden, do you have anything to add to this um yeah i was actually kind of surprised when when that uh that news broke uh last night because i was thinking that it was looking towards uh, Buffalo as their destination to play at. I just don't see how another MLB team would let the Jays play at their own ballpark because they obviously have to share the same dugout. 
potentially share the same locker room. So I think just in terms of like COVID and, and cleanliness, that, that isn't the safest thing to do. Also, there is a schedule conflict as well because the Pirates will be playing, um, or like as of right now, the way the schedule works, the Pirates play home games um, at the same time the Jays are supposed to be playing their home games. I think that happens seven times throughout the year. So there's going to be conflicts right now, but they'll try and get that sorted out. Maybe the Pirates play in the morning, Jays play at night, something like that. But uh, I think it just will cause way too much confusion and, and conflict in between the two teams. So I think that Buffalo did make the most sense to me. Um, I think the one thing that um, is a negative for Buffalo is the fact that it's not an MLB-ready stadium yet, but they could make adjustments um, to improve the stadium, like in terms of lighting and field dimensions. But um, yeah, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance that this Pittsburgh thing falls through if the uh, Pennsylvania government um, no, doesn't let them. I, I think there is a chance of that. Um, and I do think there's also a chance of them uh, flip-flopping between uh, different stadiums during the season um, for, for any reason. Maybe there's an outbreak of COVID cases uh, for the Jays or, or Pirates, and they're forced to do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, that, that's really it. It was, just, it was really surprising to me yesterday. I don't know if, if, if it caught you off guard, off guard Connor. Not really. Uh, it sounded more and more like this was going to be a possibility or what was going to happen uh, in terms of them going to Pittsburgh. So I'm not necessarily surprised by it. I think it's a good decision ultimately. You know, Pennsylvania, I guess, I'm not sure in terms of how their COVID situation is, but if they're able to split the ballpark, why not? Uh, it just requires a lot more cleaning. And I assume the Jays will pick up part of that cost, which might be why Pittsburgh's so into this because it'll cost them less uh, with the Jays paying more, maybe like rent or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think it makes sense. I don't have an issue with it. All you do to adjust game times is have one game in the afternoon and have one game at night. And it's a very simple fix in my mind. But we'll see whether or not Pennsylvania allows it. Kyle, do you have any sort of thoughts on sharing a stadium with two Major League Baseball teams? Well, I just wonder um, how the Toronto players are feeling about going down into the States in the middle of all the up, like how many cases are going on right there? Like, I was surprised to see that Toronto's playing in Pennsylvania and not maybe the other way around. That's, yeah, <laughs> yeah <interesting. laughs> not wrong on that statement. Uh, but they, MLB probably should have gotten with a bubble format, but. Yeah, I don't know why they're traveling. It doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> But, because uh, the players union and MLB hate each other. Yes, correct. Yes. That fun, fun stuff. Um, let's divert from baseball and let's Ooh, hit. I want to, I want to, I want to touch oh, on Mookie sorry? Betts uh, oh, just okay. very quickly because um, he got traded to the Dodgers last off season. Obviously one of the best players in the game, MVP caliber. Uh, it's looking like he's going to get a 10 year contract extension for over $300 million. Uh, with the Dodgers, and that news might break today. So, uh, yeah, keep an eye out for that. I would love to be Mookie Betts. Uh, I'll tell you that much. Um, some pretty good payday right there. Uh, let's dive into a league that could use that kind of payday in the CFL because 
they're not in a good place right now. Um, that's probably putting it very lightly. Uh, you know, they've asked for a bailout from the government, which we've touched on in previous episodes, so we won't dive into that stuff. But they did announce where if they did resume games, they would be playing them in a bubble, which is Winnipeg. I guess that makes sense. I don't know if you guys have any sort of thoughts on choosing Winnipeg as a hub city. Um, I don't think Manitoba has been hit very hard by the virus. So I guess it makes sense. Just players don't exactly love Winnipeg um, in other professional sports. So maybe it's the right decision. I don't know. What do you guys sort of think about that? As long as it's not Toronto or Edmonton, I'm okay with it. <laughs> Toronto is not a possibility due to them having BMO field in that bubble. So that was sort of ruled out from the beginning. Uh, Edmonton, I guess Edmonton could have been possible, but... I guess just uh, because they're already hub cities for the NHL, I mean, I don't think yeah. it'd be good to have even more teams going there. As we look at Florida, where the NBA and MLS are sharing a bubble. True, you're yes. right, yeah. <laughs> um, what else do we need to add around that? Oh, right. Uh, very quickly in terms of CPL, which I know we've never talked about CPL on here. They're apparently maybe getting closer to choosing a destination for their hub city and resuming play, although that's still very up in the air. If you want to sort of follow that stuff, follow Dwayne Rollins on Twitter. Uh, he's a really good account to follow in terms of Canadian soccer news and follows me, so I like him. Um, let's dive into the final little bit of CFL news quickly. In Edmonton, uh, they've decided that they're going to change their name. That's sort of been a controversial opinion recently uh, about whether they would and whether they should uh ultimately i believe there was some pressure from advertisers and sponsors which sort of pushed it over the edge um i don't have an issue with it i think it's good to change their name uh they apparently want to keep the green and gold logo and the ee initials so we'll see what they come up with i've seen options of like edmonton eagles and edmonton elk and things along those lines so there's a lot of possibilities for them. Um, do you guys think that they should change their name really quickly? Yeah. Yeah, I, th I think they should. Um, it's the same thing that we touched on last week with Washington, I think. Yeah, I think it does make sense to change their name at, at this time as well. Um, I, I would like to see them keep the colors, though. I, I am a fan of the, the green and, and gold. Um, I was thinking Edmonton Energy. I don't know if that, that's, that's, that's a I like that. name. I just I think I like that better than elk. Yeah. So. Works That's with the their logo too. Thinking. Yeah, exactly. EE, right? If they want to keep that. They could go like a sort of charger style, maybe like an electric bolt in the side of the jerseys. That'd be cool. I like yeah. that. That's a good shout. I haven't heard of that before. Should claim that. Copyright it. <laughs> File <laughs> copyright crime. Uh make them buy it from you. Yeah. Um <laughs> Al, you have anything to add to the CFL stuff? Yeah, um, I, I did a bit of research just out of curiosity. And I mean, Eskimo is certainly not as derogatory a term as the Washington team name, but um, uh, it's something that the Inuit don't prefer to be called anymore. And I think it was actually a, a name given to them by the, the people, like the Canadians or the white folk. So um, I kind of agree with what Jordan Tutu said that, uh, you know, they should be uh, the primary focus and nothing else, just uh, how they feel. And, uh, you know, if, if that's something they don't want to be called anymore, then, you know, 
a team shouldn't be able to use that as their name and, and profit selling merchandise off that. So, and you know, now that I got the word energy in my head, that's a, I kind of like that name more than Eskimos anyway. Sick. I'm glad. <laughs> yeah. Works with Alberta's sort of idea too. Uh, rival the Calgary Stampeders. I like that. That's actually really good. Uh, and I like how you, how you brought up Jordan Tutu. He's a good person to bring up is a very vocal member of the First Nations community and Inuit community. And I couldn't agree more with what he said and what you said. Um, quickly before this call ends, because we only have four minutes left, women's soccer news. Uh, I know we don't really bring up soccer very much on this podcast. We're going to bring it up again uh, in terms of the men's soccer after this. But women's soccer, Jesse Fleming, who's one of my favorite Canadian women's national team players. I think she's amazing really like a huge workhorse uh, in the midfield for Canada and still relatively young has signed with Chelsea FC and uh, the women's English league, I guess. I think they're, is it European or English league? I can't remember. Uh, they have both, I believe. Both. Okay. Yeah. So she's signing with Chelsea, which is a big club uh, joining, uh, not Buchanan. She is playing for in France. Uh, Janine Becky, who plays in England as well for Manchester City. So we'll have more women's national team players heading to Europe, which is a good sign. Uh, although some of them are still deciding to stay in North America and play in the NWSL, where there are only a couple games left, and we haven't really brought that up. But if you want to hear my sort of thoughts on that and stuff like that, uh, you can go and check out the MLS Multiplex podcast. I know I'll shout this out way too much, but we mostly talk MLS stuff and some soccer, general soccer news on there so if you want my soccer takes go there uh pal's got his own soccer show um what's it called and where can people find it the final whistle uh right now we're on youtube but we're looking to uh to open up to other podcasting formats just so it's easily accessible all right so if you want to hear soccer takes apart from the ballon d'or which we'll have after this break uh you can go there and check that out but yeah, without further ado, does anybody have anything to add to the women's soccer, Jesse Fleming, NWSL stuff? Well, uh, I'm uh, excited. Uh, she's a fellow member of London, Ontario, so it's good for her to make a big move, although I would have liked to have seen her join the Manchester City women's team as a Manchester City fan. But, um, yeah, definitely a positive step in her career, and she's got a bright future ahead of her at 22. So, Couldn't agree more. She's still incredibly young. Canada's got a very promising young little group of players and Buchanan, as I mentioned, uh, Fleming. And uh, how am I blanking on her name? Becky? Um, Becky, Becky, Becky. Not Janine Becky. She plays uh, for PSG. She's a striker. Dating Alfonso Davies. Um, power couple. Yeah, power couple right there. So uh, I can't believe I forgot her name. I can picture <laughs> her too. She's like the next Christine Sinclair, hopefully. So Apologies for forgetting that name. I shouldn't have, and that's embarrassing, but whatever. Uh, we'll kick off with more general little bit of soccer news and then hit NHL pretty hard in just a second. All right, and we're back to talk men's soccer after the little women's soccer discussion. Uh, we looked up and remembered who it was, and Jordan Heitma was the other person I was trying to reference, so shout out to her. She's really, 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 really good, and hopefully will be a major part of the Canadian national team going forward for the women uh, will see what happens with their coaching situation because Kenneth Heiner Moller is leaving the club to go back to, I believe, Denmark or the Netherlands. Denmark? I think it's Denmark. Um, to 
take up a role in their sort of sport or soccer sphere. Uh, so who knows what's going to happen there, but they got promise. So I'm hopeful. Um, men's soccer. Let's dive into quickly. I'm just going to mention this. The most exciting name in MLS was announced yesterday as Charlotte FC, which is their new name uh, announced today that they're being named Charlotte FC and it is quite boring. Um, they had a lot of good options on Twitter, which they had kept tweeting out, removing one like every other day sort of thing. Uh, and they took off, I think, three total names, which were all terrible, and ended up with Charlotte FC, which I hate. And I wish it was something like Charlotte Athletic or Charlotte Town FC, something like that with a bit more creativity, but it's MLS. What did I expect? Uh, let's stop talking about MLS because nobody apart from me cares about it. Let's talk something that Kyle has some very strong opinions on. The Ballon d'Or. Uh, if you're not familiar with the Ballon d'Or, it basically represents the best male soccer player on the planet. Uh, and the French Federation, who I believe is the one who awards it every year, has canceled it this season for no apparent reason because we're not playing soccer due to COVID, but we're still playing soccer. Um, Kyle, what do you have to say about that whole Ballon d'Or situation? Because I, you mentioned earlier that you were very frustrated. Uh, sorry, you cut out that at the, at the end. Oh, sorry about that. My Wi-Fi has been sketchy at best today. Um, what do you sort of think about this whole Ballon d'Or situation in terms of, do you think it was the right decision to cancel it? And how frustrated, how frustrated are you that it has been canceled? Well, it's, doesn't really make much sense to me that it was canceled because like, you know, if, if we're going to count um, the soccer that's being played right now uh, at the, as the end of the season and, and write that down in history as like, you know, with as a legitimate end to the season and, and count everyone who wins as champions, then I don't know why there can't be a Ballon d'Or because the soccer that's being played is, is being considered, you know, at the same level as, as before the, before the, the lockout or the lock, the lockdown. So as a decision, uh, I don't really make, understand it, but um, you know we still have the UEFA Player of the Year award, which is kind of you know the same thing as the Ballon d'Or. So, um, but I, I know what you're prodding me at. Um, I do think this was probably the best chance uh, that Kevin De Bruyne will ever get in his career to win the award. So uh, I'm a little upset. Uh, I will backtrack a bit. Um, you know, if the criteria for the award is who is the best football player on the planet, you know, I still would think it should be Messi or Ronaldo every year, pretty much until they can't walk. Um, until they come you, to MLS is what you mean. <laughs> but um, Has an MLS player ever won the award? No. no for good reason. <laughs> no. Well, <laughs> no. did Beckham everyone won before he went to the MLS? No. Uh, like, we've had guys who've won the Ballon d'Or before our play here. Like we had Kaka All uh, right. play yeah. for Orlando City. Uh, and I don't think David Villa ever won one. No. Uh, but he was here. Andre, oh, you. you know, Gerard Lampard. Um, Cutting out? Oh, I think he froze. It's kind of a funny face, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think he's oh, back. You back? I'm back. Yeah. 
When did you lose me? Um, Gerard and Lampard. Yeah, Gerard Lampard. Okay. Yeah. I don't think they ever won the Ballon d'Or though. They didn't. I don't think they did either. Um, no. I don't think Didier Drogba ever won it either. Uh, but no. he was here. David Beckham. Where do we want to start? Do we want to just pick it up or and ignore that that break ever happened? Yeah, or... just keep going. Uh, well, right. what I was saying is, um, you know, if your criteria is who's the best player on the world, um, then it, I think it should be awarded to Messi and Ronaldo. But if you kind of want to look at what they did in 2018 and, and they kind of gave it to the player um, who had the best individual season and, and who was most important in his team, like they did in 2018 with Luka Modric, uh, I think this was certainly uh, Kevin De Bruyne's you know, best season as of yet. Um, you look at Manchester City definitely dropped off this year, but Kevin De Bruyne stepped up and um, he bested his totals for goals and assists uh, in all competitions. Uh, and I don't think there's a single player more important to a top team than Kevin De Bruyne. I would respectfully disagree. Uh, I think it should go to Robert Lev- I should have gone to Robert Lewandowski this year because he had an incredible season. He scored like over 40 goals. Uh, in all competitions, maybe even over 50 in all competitions. He was integral to Bayern Munich's attack. Uh, he was like their only striker all season. Uh, they had Xerxes play a couple games, and I think they might have had Coutinho play there a couple games, uh, and it's striker, maybe Nabry as well. But he was the heart of that team. Uh, yes, he did get some – he does have a lot of good players around him, but so does Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, I think – this should have been Lewandowski's year. I disagree that De Bruyne should have won it because City came second. They didn't even win their league. And they were very far behind Liverpool who ended up winning. So, I don't know. I think it definitely should have gone to Lewandowski. Uh, you know, I'm not saying De Bruyne is miles ahead of anyone else. Uh, I think it's also important to consider that there's a lot of football, a lot of important football anyway, left to play. And... Uh, I do think City and Bayern are probably one two to win the Champions League this year. So uh, that will have a large impact on who should have won in our hypothetical discussion here. Um, I will say that um, I think De Bruyne kind of won more games for Man City than Lewandowski Bayern, if that makes sense. Like, I think you look at that Real Madrid game, um, you know, we were on the defense all game and then De Bruyne just kind of flipped a switch score the penalty, set up Gabriel Jesus, and then we're, we're leading heading into the second leg. And, uh, you know, also we, we went through that stretch where we missed something like seven out of ten penalties, and then they gave De Bruyne uh, the penalty kicking responsibility, and I don't think he's missed one since quarantine. I think he scored four or five. So, I don't know. I just – obviously I'm biased because I watch a lot of Man City and they're my team, but I don't know. He, I, I think he at least he finally deserves to be in that discussion for one of the best players in the world. I think he's been in that, should have been in that discussion for a while now, but it, you know, I guess I'm at least happy that he's finally deserving the recognition or finally getting the recognition, recognition he deserves. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. I think he's a brilliant, brilliant player. Um, he's got a ton of quality. Obviously he's the best player on Manchester city. Uh, I also think Lewandowski is probably the best striker on the planet. Uh, it depends on if you call Cristiano Ronaldo a striker or a left winger. Um, I guess right now he'd technically be a striker because he's sort of playing that role more with Juventus. Um, but again, it's going to be something to watch. I do want to quickly ask you before we move on to hockey, what did you think of the Manchester City Champions League ban being overturned? Where do you sort of stand uh, on that? Well, um, you know, 
I'm not going to come out and say I don't have my suspicions that there was some shady stuff going on. But, uh, you know, I, I will say that happens uh, all over the football world. I think certainly investigations should be looked into some of the dealings that are happening at Paris Saint-Germain, given they're in a very similar boat as us when they have, uh, you know, a, a prince of some Middle Eastern country as their owner. Um, but, uh, like, the verdict found that there, there was no um, – no tampering going on, no uh, money being funneled into the club uh, disguised as sponsorship funds. Um, and the $10 million fine was just because we didn't cooperate with UEFA. Um, but however, um, the details of the court case are yet to be released. So um, one of the possibilities is that um, the reason that we weren't able, that we didn't get banned is because UEFA didn't investigate us within the five years after uh, the alleged occurrence happened, which was in 2014. So it, it could still come out um, that, you know, we did break the rules and it was just a matter of time that, uh, that we, why, how we got away with it. And in that case, I would say I'm really upset. Um, and I, I think that, you know, while I reap the benefits of having um, all this money funneled in my club, I, I think that they at least owe it to the fans to be respectable and, and not, you know, cheat. So I don't know, but, you know, I'm definitely – I guess I am glad that, you know, all our players didn't leave and Pep Guardiola didn't leave. So I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll deal with the, uh, everyone making fun of me for the next couple of years. Well, I don't, I think I'd rather be made fun of for being a city fan because they're winning so much than be made fun of because your team is absolute crap like Manchester United. But we'll move on from soccer because we don't need to get into the city versus United debate uh, or, the European soccer debate, because you could go very, very in-depth on that, uh, especially with Kyle, who follows the Premier League very closely. Um, instead, let's hit hockey, because a lot has happened since the last time we recorded. Obviously, we took last week off, uh, because I took off. Um, spent some time at my family's cottage for a little bit, so explains the nose. Um, we're sunscreen, folks. Um, but yeah. Let's talk hockey. Uh, since the last time we recorded, the return to play in CBA were ratified. So big news there. Uh, we're going to have meaningful games in just over a week. Uh, we're going to play games. It's going to be like 12 hours of hockey uh, that we'll be able to enjoy. So we're hit, starting it off with a bang on August 1st, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm sure you two are looking forward to it. We'll dive more into the tournament in a little bit. Um, but, yeah, I guess we just sort of mentioned that there are some players and coaches and one coach who have decided to opt out of this tournament for various reasons, and we support every single one of them. Uh, it's understandable, and we agree with it, as I mentioned earlier. So we're not going to really spend a ton of time on that, because if we did, we'd go way too long, and we've already been going for a while. Uh, so let's instead, let's hit news that just broke uh, before we started recording before we hit the tournament in Oscar Lindblom. Uh, we mentioned in our last episode that he got to ring the bell, uh, finishing his last chemotherapy session, uh, session due to the fact that he finished his last chemo session uh, and he's resumed practicing and I guess gone to training camp with the Philadelphia Flyers. And today he earned a three-year, three million AAV contract from the Flyers. So it's really good to see that for him. Uh, it's good to see that he's rebounding uh, from the diagnosis and everything he's had to go through. I'm not sure if whether or not he'll go to the tournament and whether it's safe to go to the tournament due to his immune system being probably not where it really should be. 
in order to be potentially catching COVID and being put in a position where he could catch it. But it's ultimately his decision. And if he decides to go like Max Domi, we can't really stop him. So good luck to him. Good luck to Max Domi. Uh, Yeah, that's sort of the COVID stuff we have to hit. Let's talk about this tournament because it starts on the first, obviously, and there's at least one uh, warm-up game, I guess. Are they calling it pre-tournament or pre-season? Exhibition. 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 All right, that's what they're using, the official term for it. So exhibition game uh, before the tournament starts, and that's in less than a week, I believe. So, yeah, uh, let's dive into the tournament. What do you guys think? Do you think this is going to go well? Do you think it's going to be terrible? They're already setting up the barriers at the ACC, or not ACC, Scotiabank Arena and the Leafs training facilities. What do you guys think of this tournament? Uh, we'll start off with you, Kyle. Well, um, I think it's certainly going to present um, some new scenarios. I mean, you know, we've never played hockey with a 30-team roster. Um, and I believe they said you can play – as many goalies as you want in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I don't see anything crazy happening. Uh, you know, I, I think they are um, providing the necessary precautions, like players are getting tested every day. And there's um, there's a, a, a person designated on every team staff to make sure that everybody's complying with the social distancing and uh, not leaving the bubble and, and wearing their masks and whatnot. Um, but, I, you know, I, I do think that, uh, if this is the year where luck is going to play a role in the Stanley Cup playoffs, I think this might be it just because, you know, the time period shortened so much. And uh, are the first two uh, playoff series still out of five? Am I right in saying that? And just the, the conference finals? The just play the first in, one? The, the play-in play is, in is out of five? Yeah. But the, all of the playoffs are still out of seven? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But it, I don't know. I, I could still just see a team, especially like uh, Edmonton, where they're not – you know, among the favorites, but, you know, they've got McDavid and Dreisaitl just hitting a run of, well, I guess you don't call it a run of form in hockey, like finding a rhythm and uh, and winning this tournament. And, um, yeah, so it, we discussed before off camera that it, there's going to be an asterisk next to the Stanley Cup winner, but it is actually an argument whether it's, you know, because if it's going to be easier or harder. Yeah, I think it's definitely going to be harder. I think, you know, first of all, I, I agree with everything Kyle said. I do think it's going to be a lot harder because you have to play five rounds and not four and there's more teams involved. And also you're in a bubble and you have a pandemic going on. So there really shouldn't be an asterisk, but there will be, I won't consider it an asterisk, but I know so many people will. Um, Do I think that, you know, there's going to be hiccups along the road? Yeah, definitely. I think big name guys might test positive for, for the coronavirus and, you know, it's going to drive a lot of people crazy that their favorite players won't be playing uh, meaningful games as well in the playoffs. But, uh, you know, that, that's a part of the game. That's what the NHL and the NHLPA agreed to. So I'm just glad that, that hockey's back last, or a week, uh, August 1st. So should be exciting. Um, I do think that even looking at, like, the play-in round in specific, if a team gets a hot goalie or – just is is playing well at at that time has has trained i guess during the quarantine has prepared to the best of their ability a team like you mentioned edmonton but maybe the team that they're playing against chicago 
they maybe steal that series from Edmonton in a five game series. You never know because they still have, you know, a lot of experience on that team. Um, but I do think a team like Edmonton, if they get by Chicago, they could go on a long run with, with their young guys and their speed. We'll see how the young guys are able to do compared to the, the veterans uh, in the league, which was Connor's uh, uh, crunch time. Uh, yeah. uh, I don't know. Crunch time. Uh, argument. Storyline to watch. Yeah. Storyline to watch. Storyline to watch. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm, yeah, that that's really it. I, I, there will be challenges along the way, but I think it's going to work out. I think there will be a Stanley cup awarded this year. Yeah. Um, I hopefully there will be, hopefully we don't have an MLS situation where we have like entire teams have to be pulled out of this tournament, uh, because that could cause a lot of issues. Um, but apart from those two teams, MLS has gone incredibly smoothly since then. So there's positive, there's positive, there's a positive outlook there, uh, especially when you look at the NWSL, who's also been doing the tournament format. So who knows? Um, Let's hit predictions before we get, actually, we'll do predictions last. Um, let's do something that we haven't done with anybody before. And let's actually get their expert opinion on something. Because Kyle, obviously you write for the London Knights and you follow the OHL fairly closely. I want to know who are some OHL players, current or very, very recently in the OHL, you know, maybe played a season in the AHL this year and might have a massive impact on this tournament who are some players that people should look out for and sort of watch to potentially have a massive influence on their teams uh well i guess uh the name you guys will like to hear would be nick robertson uh, had like one of the best goal scoring seasons we've seen in recent history with the peter Peets. Uh, like he carried that team uh he's been practicing on the power play i don't i don't think he'll be on the first power play but he could get some power play time um and I could definitely like see him contributing as a third or second line player. Like he's, he's fully capable. He's, he's definitely too good for the OHL. Um, but, you know, I think, or even being used as like a 13 forward, you know, he could come on and, and provide a, a different dynamic when the team needs it. Um, same thing goes for Connor McMichael, another player that's definitely too good for the OHL, uh, but still could return next year unless he plays his way onto the capitals in this tournament. Um, and, uh, something a note, Lars Eller um, recently opted out. So that 3C role in Washington is now empty. And uh, they have said that they, going forward, they want to use Michael as a center. So, you know, it would suck for me as a Knights fan, but, you know, it'd be good to see him, you know, make his way onto this this team with a strong playoff performance. Um, also, Evan Bouchard, who captained the team, uh, had 12 points in his last 14 games in Bakersfield. Um, so I think he might see some time, uh, in Edmonton, uh, they definitely could use some help, uh, anchoring their power play, which he's a specialist at. So yeah, that with the, with that extra players being added to the roster, um, and you know, the injuries that could happen, I think there's a lot of guys coming from the OHL that, that could make a big impact this playoffs. Yeah. It's going to be really interesting to see just how, well these players adapt to the change uh we're not really sure where nick robertson is going to play if he does make the leafs uh people have been really pushing for third line left wing but now it forced one of frederick gautier kyle clifford jason spezza pierre engvall one of them out of the lineup and we don't know if the leafs are necessarily comfortable with that yet but 
look, he's looking very promising. As you mentioned, he had one of the best goal scoring seasons in recent history in the OHL. So if you're a Leafs fan, I'd say get psyched for him because he looks very promising and he looks like the exact thing the Leafs need. I was listening to uh, the Leafs report, I believe with James Myrtle and um, Oh, wow. Jonas, is it Jonas Siegel? Jonas Siegel, yeah. Jonas Siegel, thank you. Uh, I was listening to those two guys on the way back from our cottage, and they were saying that he's sort of exactly what the Leafs need, and he was looked pretty impressive in training camp. Uh, sort of struggled the first scrimmage, but since then I think he's sort of found his own a little bit. You know, you wonder how much nerves played a factor in that, and you wonder how much nerves will play a factor in all these OHL guys. You know, Connor McLenko is going to a team that won the Stanley Cup, what, like two years ago? Yeah. It's going to be – it's a big step up for him. It's going to have high expectations, and we'll see if these players are able to adapt. Um, let's do predictions because we are a week away. Um, by the time we record our next podcast, it will probably be the day before games resume, around there, a couple days before. Uh, what's – Kyle, let's start with you – uh, maybe we'll save Aiden and I for next week. We'll see. Maybe we do one of us this week, one of us next week. Uh, it depends on how much time we have. But what are your predictions for this tournament? Who do you think is going to win it? Who do you think is going to go far? Who do you think is going to flop out? And then finally, who do you think is going to win the lottery? Well, that's uh, a <laughs> lot. It's a 1-13 <laughs> yeah. chance or what, 1-12 in 12 chance? 1-12 in 12 and a half percent chance i think 12 and a half percent chance percent chance wow what is that how many times does that go into 100 no eight? like it's 12.5 for each team but there's so there'll be eight teams in contention yeah. once yeah, yeah, okay yeah, yeah. i don't know personally i'd really like to see uh the first overall pick go to montreal so you could have lafreniere and uh montreal can finally have their star french canadian player that they seem to be endlessly seeking um although i don't know if i'd really want to see him on a team managed by mark bergevin i, I think you know, he could be turning the next Jack Eichel. Um, Poor Jack. I, I don't know. <laughs> Obviously, um, the two best teams in the league are, are, are probably St. Louis and Tampa Bay. But with St. Louis, um, you know, it's really hard to go back-to-back as Stanley Cup champions. And with Tampa Bay, uh, I, I don't know how much I can vouch for them after what happened last year being swept by Columbus. Um, like they still got the same coaching staff, same core. Uh, they've added a few really, really good pieces that I like in uh, Goodrow and uh, Blake Coleman that I think will help them a lot in the playoffs, uh, just having some depth on their third and fourth line. And Anthony Sorelli's had a really good year. But, um, you know, I, I personally would really like to see a Stanley Cup final, and I think it is actually one of the more likely outcomes that you see a Colorado-Boston Stanley Cup final, and then you have the matchup of the McKinnon line and the Pasternak line. Um, yeah. But, you know, Boston were a game game or two away last year from winning it. Um, they look just as good this year, if not better. And um, also the addition of Kale McCarr on, uh, and Nazem Kadri on Colorado. I think they're finally um, a playoff contender. And they do have a couple guys um, added to that roster, like Connor Timmons, um, and Bowen Byron that could come in and, and help them out through, uh, through the four rounds. So. Okay. So you're uh, calling like a Boston Colorado final, uh, maybe St. Louis or Tampa as well. Uh, who do you think is going to win the lottery? Just pick a random team. 
Man. I'm going to say Minnesota. Minnesota. I just, like that. Minnesota, just, I think, they're going to lose to Vancouver, and they're going to win the lottery. Yep. Watch, watch it happen. I think I, – I, I always forget that that team exists, really, because despite <laughs> them being, like, the hockey capital of America, they, like, have been yeah. so irrelevant for so long. And I think they deserve it after uh, – or the fans deserve it after being tied into those contracts. Man, how long is left on those Parise? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. It's There's like two. 10 years. Yeah, <laughs> it's nice. Like, it's, yeah. yeah. It's not a fun time to be a Minnesota Wild fan, so they could probably use that little bit of joy. Uh, I want to see Arizona win it because Taylor Hall is on Arizona, and I think oh, that would God. be hysterical. Uh, that or Edmonton. Oh, Edmonton just doing it again. That's true. Uh, maybe Toronto. Yeah, to what about it. Toronto? Yeah, we'll take it. Three I just years want of Lafreniere on an entry-level contract. That'd be nice. I just want chaos, ultimately. Yeah. Uh, just, just chaos is fun. Um, I'm in the same boat as, uh, not Myrtle, um, Merrick, Jeff Merrick. So, yeah, uh, I guess we'll do our predictions next week because we are running out of time. Uh, but we do want to say thank you. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on today. Uh, we know you got to do work, some work tonight. Uh, starting around six so yeah appreciate you taking two hours of your free time to help us out with this podcast and we look forward to seeing what you have to do in the next few years and what you are going to accomplish the next few years because you're doing some really cool stuff with london and we really appreciate you coming on so thank you uh could you shout out i'm just gonna let you do this all we we Uh, we forgot about one thing oh what did we forget about forgot about Hot takes. Oh, yeah. We do hot takes at the end of every show. Right. So I pull one out of my, you know what? Yeah, exactly. We all do. Uh, because clearly I didn't think of one if I didn't even remember we uh, had the segment. I'll say um, mine first just to get it out of the way. Um, baseball right. season starts on Thursday. Jays start on Friday. And my hot take is that the Jays will make the playoffs this year. They sneak into a wild card spot and they make the playoffs. Assuming that we get to a playoffs. Yes. Okay. Uh, I'll give Kyle more time to think, and I'll make up one on the spot. Um, what do I think is a hot take? Let's go – I'm not going to do MLS because that's not fun. Uh, let's do NHL. I think Nick Robertson, by the end of the playoffs – will be on the first power play unit for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I think that's a hot wow, take. That is a hot take. Especially yeah. given... Who's he knocking out? That's a good question. Um, Who's on it right now, though? Do we know? It'll because be Matthews, it... Nylander, Marner, Tavares, probably either Riley or Barry up top. Yeah. I'm going to say one of those guys gets injured, and he fills in. Oh, man. I don't want that to happen. And I haven't... Seeking suspicion, it may just be Matthews because he isn't. <laughs> you had to say it. <laughs> well, he isn't fully up to strength, and he had to deal with the COVID stuff. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe him. Maybe it's Mitch. I'm probably completely wrong because I don't think I've hit a hot take once in our entire <laughs> existence of doing them. So saying that, he probably won't even make the least roster. Kyle, what is your hot take before we wrap things up? 
Hale Makar will be in the art. No, wait. The uh, wow, this is brutal. I'm blanking on it. Kale McCarr will be in the playoff MVP conversation. Damn. Okay. Consmite. All right. Consmite. Not that hurt, Russ. That's, That's good. a good. Hot so team. confident in the take, and then and Colorado the has to the win trophy. the cup, basically. <laughs> Colorado has to win the cup. That's also what you're or saying. Or make it to the Stanley Cup finals. A loser's won that con Smith before. Yeah, when a was the last times. time that's happened? Um, Did J.S. Shiger do it? Was it J.S. Shiger? They won. I think it was a goalie. I think it was a goalie. But I can't remember which goalie. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm just riding with Colorado right now. It was, I think, mid-2000s. Mid to late 2000s. I want to say it was Jaguar with Anaheim, or it might have been with Edmonton. I really can't remember. Um, it wouldn't have been Dwayne Wallerson because didn't Dwayne Wallerson get injured? And no, man, didn't uh, Car- uh, Cam Ward win it in 06? Didn't, they didn't win the cup? I thought they won the cup. 06, Carolina won it. Cam yeah. Ward was a rookie. Yeah, but he was on the winning team, right? Yeah. We're so saying- I'm saying it couldn't have been Jaguar or Dwayne Rollison on Edmonton. Oh, okay. If, uh, J.S. Jaguar won it in 2003. Oh, three. Okay. With who? With Anaheim. Yeah, the Mighty Ducks. Ducks. Mighty Ducks. Oh, when they lost. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, well, did okay. he win it in 07 when they won? Maybe. Uh, maybe. I mean, you might, you might have won it twice. Could have been uh, Scott Niedermeyer. Potentially. Well, uh, Jaguar was good. Let's put it that way. It was. Um, it was I wasn't getting Toronto. It was Niedermeyer. <laughs> yeah. Well, he did start off well. Uh couple shout outs to open up but whatever we're running out of time thank you kyle for coming on thanks kyle. Uh, we'll give you the floor to sort of shout out everything that you have going on right now uh so where can people find you uh, i'm on twitter at uh kyle underscore nw uh you know what that's all i'm gonna shout out uh, because i got some exciting stuff on the way and that will all be posted there i uh, got some exciting articles uh, that I can't reveal because I want them to be a surprise. But thank you for having me. I think it's great um, that you're giving everyone in, in a program uh, a voice to talk about, uh, you know, why they're in the program and how they've enjoyed the program. I think it's uh, it's given me some interesting listening, and I hope it'll give um, some applicants some interesting listening too. We, there's not really anything out th- out there with uh, this much in-depth coverage of people's time in sport media. So good on you guys. Thank you. Thank we you. appreciate Thank you that. Uh, if he isn't going to shout out his stuff, I'm going to shout it out for him. Go check out his podcast, uh, The Final Whistle, on YouTube. Uh, hopefully he mentioned it. He's hopefully going to have it on other podcast sites soon. And check out his work at The London Nights. Uh, he's been doing some really cool stuff there. So go and check that out because he deserves the credit and people should read his stuff because it's good. Um, but yeah, thank you. We'll be back next week. And two weeks from now... Everything is going to be back. So get excited and have a good week. Peace.